0: Hey guys, this is Alex, and welcome to the Two Dudes Brews Interviews podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about By the Way, the 2003 album by the alternative rock band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We discuss the album track by track, getting into the history of the group, the background context of this album, and we debate the quote unquote classic status of the band. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the podcast, give us a rating and review, and maybe even tell your friends about us. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Alright, we are live. Yo, yo. What's up? Drinking wine like a bunch of bitches. What'd you say
0: this was? Pinot Noir.
1: Pinot Noir. It's, um, decoy... Uh, that's the, um... Jesus. The... Like the, the winery. Yeah, the, vin- the vineyard. Yeah. So, 21
0: Pinot Noir. Is this considered red wine? This or is... is a
1: completely different thing. No, this is red wine. Okay. Yeah, just a... I don't know. It's a... That's a type of grape. I can, um uh, I'll, I'll give you a little rundown here. Hold mm. on. Yeah, I'm a complete novice when it comes to wine. I like it. I really just drink, like, Cabernet when I do. So, Pinot is... First and foremost, you know, should be slightly chilled, but we're drinking at room temperature, so who gives a fuck? That's all right. Predominantly from Pinot Noir Grapes. I don't know. It's kind of dry. It's not as dry as I want it to be. I like really fucking dry wine. This is like a nice balance for me. Uh, But yeah, I like wine. Um, It's my thing right now because I don't get like super hung over on it. This stuff is like pretty translucent compared to what I'm used to, so I probably won't get as fucked up on it, so that's kind of nice. I like this so far.
0: This is the second time I've had red wine, and it tastes nothing like the first time that I had it. So I don't That's know good. what I had the first time. I would drink this again or like on my own or, you know.
1: Red wine is like really good with um, with like steak or like a good burger. Like this would be good with like a, like a good burger. There's something weird with wine culture where like, oh, white goes with fish and chicken and red goes with like uh, beef and other dark meats. But you can do whatever. Who gives a fuck? Mm. It's whatever you want to do. There's
0: no rules here. There are no
1: rules. No. They're all fucking made up. Kind of like government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just um I had this sitting in the cabinet at home, and it's a California wine with a with a California band. I um I wanted to kind of ask you like, what is your history with like the Peppers? Or
0: yeah, my history with the Red Hot Chili Peppers up until about the age of I'd say thirteen or fourteen. My music interest almost lied specifically in but rock. <laughs> 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 I loved Corn and Trapped and Disturbed, Crossfade and yeah, all that uh, all that good shit. And I think it was around my 14th birthday, I asked for a couple records, and they were like Continuum by John Mayer and this album. Okay, and I think there might have been like an Incubus album in there or something too. But for me, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were, like, the first band that I liked that didn't seem to rely on exploding into a big distorted chorus. Mm. It felt like they were a good transition band for me in between, uh, like, going from, like, generic rock to, for example, like, a year later, I was, like, buying Radiohead and Modest mouth CDs and shit.
1: Like, kind of opened you up into different genres.
0: This felt like a a good in-between. Okay. Now, the reason why I wanted to do it for the podcast is because I think we kind of talked about this at the end of our Inception episode. Mm -hmm. The Chili Peppers are like kind of a classic band, Mm -hmm. question mark. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Now they are. But it feels like, I don't know when this happened, but it's like the whole world outside of their own hardcore fans like kind of just decided they don't like them anymore. Mm. And I was included in this conversation. Okay. Or in that crowd. I don't know. Over the last couple of weeks it felt nostalgic going back to it okay and uh just kind of wanted to see what your take on it is oh gosh
1: yeah well it's not sacred by the way okay i wanted to preface the podcast before i give my opinion on it because like i know who the red Hot chili peppers are you know i've heard californication and under the bridge and i don't know it's just your standard like run of the mill for the band and i never really got into them I mean, they were on my Apple Music, like, when Apple Music first came out. I got introduced to them that way. I was probably, like, freshman in high mm. school. And, um, you know, I listened to it because it was a thing to listen to, but I was never, like, infatuated by them. It was, like, never a, a genre. Like, I don't know, California rock was never, like, my thing. I guess, for me, overall, I kind of find the record, like, really boring. Really boring? Really boring. Okay. I can see that. It's not like it's bad, either. It's not like it's bad music like because there's mm-hmm. there is like bad rock <laughs> like let's be let's be very clear there's a lot of it <laughs> there's a lot out there but i just felt like a lot of the record did not resonate with me especially with some of the more challenging records that you've like thrown my way it's mm-hmm. like um i think like most recently was um like mars volta um like even the swans like you know stuff like that kind of like forces you to like understand with this record it was like there wasn't a whole lot to pick apart for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I felt really kind of underwhelmed by a lot of the record. But it's not bad. It's just it never felt like it fully resonated or I could never get in the culture surrounding the music. Because I think as we move through, we'll see like drugs, love and good vibes. A lot so of the, the Chili Pepper special. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that like I think if it's nostalgic for you, I want to understand... What still works for you? Because there's a lot from my perspective when I'm thinking about, okay, what does Getter like? I'm thinking this guy wants like seven minutes of drone (laughs) and there's none of that here really at all. True. Um, But it's also like a long fucking record. It's like over an hour long. It's about an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, so it's, it felt like kind of like one long track to me a Mm. lot of the times. Okay.
0: That's fair enough.
1: I completely get that. I mean, the Chili Peppers...
0: In this era, they're floating on this like adult contemporary alt rock, Mm -hmm. I guess. I didn't think that it would challenge you. I I knew it wouldn't. I was just curious, knowing that the Chili Peppers were in the 90s and 2000s, probably like in the top 10 selling bands in terms of like record sales and stuff. I don't know. I just wanted to kind of see like what your take on it was. This record is actually a lot different from a lot of their other stuff. Should I get into like background stuff at all? for
1: sure. Because you definitely have more of a understanding of their history than I do.
0: So everybody looks at the Chili Peppers as being like kind of a, a 1990s band mm-hmm. but they're really like an 80s band. They'd been around for like a decade by the time that they first started getting radio play. yeah they were working like this underground like funk metal hybrid like kind of like a punk attitude and they've like transformed a lot over the years like they have a, a long storied history. Mm-hmm. their original guitarist Hill Slovak, died from a heroin overdose mm-hmm. in, like, 1989. And that's when, like, Frusciante hopped in. I think, like, the, the whole band were, like, heroin addicts mm-hmm. leading up until like, this album. And this is, like, kind of, like, their they're sobering, calming down. Mm-hmm. This is a, a band on their eighth album. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, last time we talked about an album, weirdly enough early 2000s rick rubin produced record mm-hmm. featuring chili peppers members with the mars volta which okay. is kind of weird that i did this directly <laughs> after. and like the heroin tie-in too with that album but i see this is like a an optimistic hopeful like uh everyone in the band is having like a good time yeah you know what i mean
1: yeah and it definitely comes off that way there's actually a guy i work with that like wears a red hot chili peppers hat like all the time oh really yeah, yeah he's a young kid you know he's real nice and everything, but. Definitely likes him a lot. And I, I want to talk to him about this record um, next time I see him. But I guess that's something that kind of bothered me about the record is that there was not a lot of uh, substance. I never felt like I was being challenged emotionally by a whole lot. Because I think when we're talking about, especially like heroin use and, and drug overdose, when we like dive into um, the Mars Volta record, I'm like, yeah, this is what that is. Yeah, like the depravity. Yeah. You know, the, the psychedelia involved in that. I guess, like, to me, some at some points, it kind of came off like I don't know, like, if you want to like do some misery porn, like, really lean into it and not just. Well, I don't know if it was um like trying to tackle it in a dark way. Like, this is like you get on the other side of it. Yeah, finally, you know. Yeah, and it's weird to me though because it doesn't really feel like a concept record at all, and and that's something that kind of like uh turned me off. You were wanting concepts. Yeah, a little bit because I mean we have like what six, is it sixteen tracks? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I never felt like there was a line being run through from start to finish of like, here's what we're going to grab onto.
0: Um, You're not wrong. The Chili Peppers, they're definitely indulging in like what a lot of other 90s bands did once they spilled into the 2000s, where the compact CD came out like in the late 80s, early 90s. -hmm. And it's like, hey, we can fit 80 minutes of music on the Uh, CD. So it's like, there's no B-sides or anything. mm -hmm. They're like, let's throw everything on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think this session produced like 30 songs and then like 16 made it on there. Do I think there should be 16 songs on this record? Absolutely not. Okay. With this album, I'm coming at it in the way that I appreciate the melodies, the songwriting, the uplifting like flower power psychedelia (laughs) type shit.
1: There's a little bit of that in there. It
0: feels kind of good to go back to stuff like this every once in a while after I kind of like sit in that droney, abrasive, (laughs) expansive, progressive type shit. So, yeah, I see a lot of like Beach Boys and like Beatles type mm-hmm. things going on here. When I was 14, I didn't have that knowledge yeah. quite the way that I do now. So
1: it's like kind of interesting to look back at it with like new eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to uh, step away for a minute and uh, listen to maybe a couple tracks and then uh, hop back in. All right, let's do it. So, assuming we should just go ahead and talk about a few tracks.
0: Yeah, we took a break and listened to, uh, like, a cluster of three tracks, mm-hmm. so. Probably do that the whole
1: time. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm
0: cool with that, too. Uh, opening track, by the way, when I think about this album, I never think about this song. Really? Not really. Are you about to tell me it's, like, a track highlight?
1: No, I, I guess, um, for me, I view it as kind of a, I mean, obviously, it's a title track, and it's up front. I know, like, the, the song itself was put there because I think their managers were like, oh, like, they were really excited about the track itself. And they were like, we should put this up front. And like, also it was a, a single and it was really successful. And, and I guess I could see why it was, it was nothing that I haven't heard before <laughs> by the chili peppers, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like sound wise, it felt like kind of up their alley, but yeah. You know, Have you
0: heard this one before?
1: Yeah. you had, Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, very specifically cause it feels like a little bit of dad rock. Like it's, yeah. it's got some summer, summer dad rock fucking, what is it? 96, three or 90, what is it? 90,
0: Ninety six point five,
1: yeah, something like that. Ninety six point five. Yeah.
0: Um, this is a weird one for me. It had a lot of success when it came out, mm-hmm. but this isn't really like one of those like de facto Chili Pepper songs that you hear on the radio now. Californication, Scar Tissue, like that shit that gets played to death. Uh, <laughs> yeah. th- like by the way, really isn't in that category. I think it's a good intro track. I don't know what else would be an intro track besides like Can't Stop, maybe because this is one of the only ones where like the tempo kind
1: of picks up. Maybe weird, but it kind of reminds me of uh smashing pumpkins like like the breakaway that
0: smashing pumpkins really? I don't know, it
1: kind of reminds me of like um like sheriff rock or something opening up to fucking uh uh siamese dream i could see that maybe you know it gives me like similar vibes it's an opening track it, it feels like an opening track yeah i don't know how else to put it
0: there's only really two parts going on here mm-hmm. right like the intro is the chorus yes and then, like, the energetic parts are, like, these funky breakaways. I don't know how I feel about, like, Anthony Kiedis' vocals during the funk moments on this track with, like, the talk box yeah. vocals. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs>
1: How do you feel about that? I, I like <laughs> talk box, but, you know. I want that shit, like, in a soul song. <laughs> yeah.
0: They were using it, like, as, like, a robotic element yeah. here. And, uh, like, the random phrasings that are thrown out in this section are kind of, like, strange to me, where he's just, like, bootcut, shark knife. Mainline. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is he... What's he saying? He's you rapping, know?
1: bro. He's rapping. That's uh, It's better than the rap we have today most of the times, but... Yeah? This is off topic, but fucking... Have you listened to the, the Travis Scott record a little bit? I did, actually. I've, I've listened to it quite a bit this week. I kind of like it. I like... Moments. Moments, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like some songs. I like Pass really hard on like Playboy and... uh yeah, That one track with him was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Like, really bad. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, I've been listening to that a lot of this week. Um, yeah. Just like here and there because i've been on a dry spell <laughs> i don't know if you have either but i've been on a dry spell i really have been um yeah you know it's a good track by the way it's it's, it's fine yeah it's okay it's okay i really like universal speaking this is like a track highlight for me same this is one of the the tracks in the record where i feel like i actually kind of fits the vibe of the actual uh tone of the record i agree
0: a lot of albums do that, don't they? Like the Red Herring first track. In mm-hmm. Rainbows has that too. Mm-hmm. Blonde, there's a few we've talked about a few on the yeah. show. They're like
1: that. Yeah, in Rainbows it's like uh, give off some Kid A. God, that's a really like uh, 15. Star. Like they get in your face for the first two tracks, and it's like, all right, now we're gonna calm down. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this uh, this track specifically, like the the chorus, like reminds me of the Beatles. I think part of it, like the harmonies that back up, like feel very Beatlesque, Beach Boys. Which is nice, you know, I, I, that's something that appeals to me. Um, the song like doesn't get off the rails or anything. It, mm-hmm. it, it feels like a, a nice, tight, concise, soft approach that I guess I've never really heard from the band, which was like unique for me when I'm going into the record. This is like one of the things that stuck out to me. Don't, make, don't get me wrong. I think there are like a, plenty of times where I feel like I'm inundated with like the same vibe of like Chili Peppers. But like, this is the one where I'm like, oh, this is the first time I feel like I've, mm-hmm. I've heard something unique by them.
0: Yeah, they they really don't have any other tracks that sound uh, or not many at least that sound just like this one. The melody feels like it was written by Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah. I know that this album is like mostly written by the guitarist John Frusciante. Yeah, I think this is like really the only time this happened in the band's history. But he's the one that's bringing the the different flavor to this album, as opposed to like the extra funky shit everywhere else in their discography. the uh, The harmonies are great. I like the the swirling psychedelic effects that kind of uh, introduce themselves after the first chorus, I think. This just feels like a classic song. Like, it's so basic. I think I wrote in my notes that the solo sounded a little goofy to me for some reason. Like, it had, like, a kind of, like, generically beachy... Sound to the yeah. tone. Like, <laughs> I, I felt like I was in Spongebob and I was watching a band play at like the Shell Shack or oh something. Oh You know what I mean? Uh,
1: I thought this track specifically was one where I actually will go back and listen to this track. Okay. That's something that I, if anything, even though I think as we'll get further down, I, I will probably start to shit on some things at times, but. As will I. Yeah. I think um, if I can get a little bit, I can kind of open the door, you know, months down the road, I'll probably be like, oh, you know, I, I kind of get it.
0: Yeah, that's how it usually is with most of the
1: albums we do mm-hmm. on the show. The seeds are the seeds are being uh, planted right now, so, mm-hmm. you know, not terrible so far. This is the place. I like this track. I wouldn't say
0: it's like a highlight or anything, but I enjoy this one, I think. Ah, dude. This is like not a good one for
1: you. This is like the first, when I was listening to the record this week, this was um like front half. Like, I'm like, I get like really pissed off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Like a lot, the front half, the front half, not the second half.
1: We'll get there. Um, Okay. The only reason I say that is because, as you'll Mm -hmm. see, as we keep going, I just like get really frustrated with the fact that I feel like we're talking about the same thing over and over and over again.
0: Like on a lyrical front, or like me, you describing the song, (laughs) like
1: lyrical, like yeah, like lyrically, it's like we did drugs and it was not good.
0: There's a reason this band is memed up so much yeah every song's about california like that thing Uh uh-huh uh the white guy rapping i get it Mm -hmm. it's uh it's kind of hard to take serious yeah and it's not that i don't get it but it's i don't know if if they really care about being taken serious though yeah and that might that might be true as well there's something like kind of playful about the band in a way Mm. and i think that it doesn't always mesh well considering like the topics yeah where he's throwing out There's a lot of, like, cringe lines on the record that I will bring up throughout, I'm sure.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong, I like some of the lyricism. I mean, I don't think it's anything superb, but specifically on this track, I mean, the only things that, like, stand out to me where he's like, can I isolate your gene? Can I kiss your dopamine? I'm like, yeah, of course I get it. Like, that's a, a very fun way of saying, yeah, like, heroin attaches onto your fucking brain, and, like, that's the only thing that makes you happy, and... I know that on the day my best friend died, I couldn't get my copper clean. Mm-hmm. And then I like looked into it and it's like, oh yeah, like he didn't even go to his best friend's funeral. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. Like that's, that's like dark, but that's it's like also pretty like, pretty heavy shit. Yeah. yeah. But it's also like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let's fucking, fucking like, uh, like, here's the vibes, man. It's fucking, we're singing about some
0: sad shit, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe the tone and the lyrical content are a little mismatched here. I don't know. I think like the tune just sounds good honestly. Yeah. The bass is moving on this one. There's like these weird stabs of, I can't tell if it's synthesizer or guitar with like a lot of effects on it. I think this ha- this has one of the strongest choruses on the album. I mean, the verses aren't doing a whole lot for me, but this is my calling. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like the melody writing on a lot of this album. That's what's doing it for me a lot of the time. That is
1: fair. I'll give you that. I think One of the things that frustrates me is that I may not be a huge fan of his vocal delivery. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not either,
0: I don't think. (laughs) He's like divisive to me, like to my Mm. own brain as I listen. Because I think there are times where he actually sounds like tender, honest. He can be a little pitchy Mm -hmm. at times too which is weird on, like, a studio record
1: by, like, a big band. Yeah, and that's something that's going to come up later for sure. Like, very specific moments where I get, like, really pulled out of it because I just feel like it's not living up to, like, the brand. Like, it felt like, you know what I mean? I feel like this is a band
0: of, like, really competent musicians, and then, like, they have the vocalist. He doesn't match the the creative energy of everybody else, I don't think.
1: Yeah. But he's also,
0: like, the unique thing that, like, got them hits on the radio like yeah this worked
1: at one time he's very floaty yeah you know he's very floaty and then it, and then you jump into like some drum break and that <laughs> <do>, <laughs> <Like he's fucking, laughs> yeah you know, he's rapping kind of I mean it is like rap like I mean it's a lot of like rhythm based lyric delivery and yeah it's not bad but I think when you're like you're mixing like the themes and then the lyricism plus like the delivery, like, the tempo and the tone of the of the music, it, it just comes off, like, really wishy-washy, like, they're telling you, but I can't really feel it. Yeah, I'm right there with yeah. you, honestly.
0: This isn't an album that's emotional to me. Yeah. I think it was emotional for the band, but it's just not translating. There's, um, before we hop off of this one... Uh, There's like some lines that actually like sparked memories in me. Years ago, I actually read uh, Anthony Kiedis's autobiography when I was like in eighth grade, maybe. And uh, there's a line on this song about like, I don't want to do it like my daddy did or something like that. Yeah. From what I remember, there was like some twisted stories involving his dad from this book. Like, blowing weed smoke Smoke in his his face face and shit. Yeah. I I went to the Genius last night and was, like, being reminded of a few of these. Mm. Um, I don't know if this one is mentioned on there, but, like, his dad let him have sex with his dad's girlfriend when Anthony was, like, 12 years old. Jesus Christ. Like, he was fucked up early on. So, the drugs and all the allusions to, like, sex in Chili Peppers music, like, I feel like like he's There's a some
1: twisted things about it, yeah. Like he's
0: got like a sex addict thing going, uh. I think. And this is one of the only albums where I don't think that like he doesn't sing about sex in such a blatant way, yeah. Like on universally speaking, like that felt like
1: a romantic like yeah. love song. Well, yeah, and like that track specifically, one of the reasons why I liked it so much is because although like I, I think I'll like spit in the face of like a lot of the tracks on this record i think mm-hmm. th- that was one of the ones where i was like oh you know like it is like a bittersweet like song you came across to me like oh like you love somebody and it doesn't work out but like at least you'll the universe is going to reward you for taking it on the chin and like loving the best you could and like you know mm-hmm. there's like no spite in the uh, in the end and stuff and like I don't yeah know, and like that that song is very uplifting and, and soft and it comes through uh like uh, almost like churchy you know? churchy yeah
0: I think I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: A lot of harmony and...
0: That's the stuff I like. But yeah, that is <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this album is about, like, getting past those things. So... That's true. Like, he's like, finally showed some matureness on this one. Piss break.
1: Uh, dosed. Yeah. I have a
0: feeling that you, uh, at least from some comments that you made during the listen, you don't like this one,
1: right? Oh... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well in my notes I say this feels a little redundant uh, at this point because damn already yeah like I don't know and I, I mentioned earlier but like uh, it just feels like you know the themes are so closely tied to like drug use and like heroin and, and all that shit and addiction and it feels like um, that kind of like weighs heavy on like all the songwriting here and so like everything is through that perspective and so mm-hmm. it it kind of feels eh, you know whatever but like it's not a bad song i mean there's shit i mean like even the the guitar like the mm. i mean that almost kind of like reminds me of, like modest mouse to be honest with you like it the, the clean clean guitar um and i know it gets like kind of like overshadowed and like it gets built upon throughout yeah. the song but I'm like oh like that that's easily like a an indie little uh, uh note combo there mm. and then you know you have your pre-chorus like lay on lay on lay on Lay down, do some heroin. <laughs> no big deal. Is that like what the
0: annotation is on Genius? Yeah,
1: and just like I mean, it it comes across pretty clear. Like, yeah, just shit. I mean, I've seen Breaking Bad. I know what, what they do. <laughs> I've been there.
0: I don't know if like the heroin subject matter really weighs down this one really? for me like that. Okay. I, I think the, the verbiage that's being used here is vague enough that if I'm just mildly listening, like it's not gonna pop out at me like this yeah. deep beyond the canyon, like i don't know this is actually my favorite track on the record really so, yeah okay I, I uh i love this one okay i think this one reaches a, a level of tenderness that i don't think they really hit anywhere else that's fair i think there's five different main guitar lines that are kind of weaving in and out of each other on this one i wish the mixing did a little bit or uh gave a bit more love to the layering mm-hmm. like there's um you can kind of model together
1: the production on this record is not my favorite. Yeah, that's something like I wanted to talk about because it's like fucking the vanilla wizard himself, Rick Rubin, yeah, you know, produced this record and I mean hell, it's fucking twenty years ago, but still, you know I, I mean the last
0: in the Comatorium was one year later. Jesus Christ. And remember, that record was like the production
1: was great on that album. The production was fucking crazy. You know, I get I get those songs come up on Spotify. Like my, I have not the shuffle, but the, like the DJ feature. Have you used that yet? I have not. You should use the DJ feature because um, sometimes it's like it's really hit or miss. But like sometimes it'll, it'll catch a run of like really good tracks, like back to back to back. Like he'll put together like a vibe, like the algorithm will. And that that came up a couple. Uh, they play. He played a cr- a couple tracks from that record, and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm in the I'm in the pit now. <laughs> I'm in the. You know, and that's one where I thought like, oh my God, like the, the production really held up for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just the style that this band uses, but there's only a handful of times where I felt like the mix was like really good. Like, or I felt like the mix was timeless and, um, it didn't really shine on the, like on this track particularly, but no, I mean, you're right. It is a tender track. I mean, he, for the band, it does feel like, oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm not used to that. It's kind of like one of the reasons why I recommended this record. Like,
0: the band kind of operating not too far in their cliche, like their own cliche. I mean, like, but maybe to you, like, they are operating really hard in their cliche. I guess to me,
1: when I think of the Chili Peppers, I think of just the vocals. And it comes across the same as any other album to me that I've... Mm -hmm. Or, like, any other song that I've heard by them. Like, this song is completely different than Californication, but yeah, it it's not that far away. And I think it's because I don't, I I don't, I don't think his vocals are challenged in any way where like, I feel like he's growing as a vocalist and, uh, that like bothers me. Um, yeah, he's not great. (laughs) He's still not great. I mean, like he's a nice dude. Like I've seen, I've seen like long form podcasts with the guy and like his like perspective on life is like really unique and like, He's been through some shit, yeah, and like he's really kind, and you definitely can see that. But I just am not a, a huge fan of of his singing, and like it's just not not really for me. Mm. And I know, like you said, like you are kind of on the fence about it too. But yeah, like, I think
0: me and you are on the same wavelength yeah. right
1: now. The only difference is I like it. Yeah, I am like, yeah, the vocals are bad, but I like it. Mm. You know, I don't, it's it's just that way sometimes. Um, I mean, I'm sure Tom York comes across fucking atrocious to most people. Oh,
0: I'm sure. You know,
1: so... 100%. It ain't no big deal.
0: Um, I don't think he sounds too bad on this track. I think maybe I like this one so much is because, like, Frusciante's vocals are actually, like, more dominant in a few parts.
1: Yeah. I feel like most of the record, he plays backup to, like, chorus. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's
0: kind of, like, always there. This seems like the... The record with the most of that going on, more emphasis on harmony. I think this track is one of the only ones where when it kind of detours into like the guitar solos, like I think the solo itself is a little bit more interesting. There's a few times on the record where I I think the guitar kind of takes a boring route during the solos. And this is one of the ones where I don't feel that way.
1: Okay. I feel that way a lot of the times as far as like the solos are not that memorable and they're very basic. I think the majority of the time, it's like it never feels like. And here's the solo. It's like, oh, we're just like gonna slowly just like slide into a solo. We're using the same tone that you've heard the mm-hmm. whole time, so nothing like ever feels like we're building into something grand. It kind of just feels like
0: it's not very dynamic.
1: Yeah, we're gonna slide into the same tone that you've heard already in this song, and it is gonna just lead us for a minute and a half. Or and that kind of bothers me a little bit because. Mm-hmm. They're not really being like showcased in the way they should. They're, don't get me wrong. There is like there is a time on the record where I'm like, yes, this this is a solo, and like this feels yeah. like good. But when your song structure is, and this might this might be tying back to maybe the band is not isn't trying to be taken so seriously. The vast majority of the times, it doesn't feel like the solos are really there to be solos. They're more of just mm-hmm. like we're kind of just doing whatever. You know, I think a lot of that might be attributed
0: to the production. Uh, I think this record sounds really compressed. I would argue that probably when they did these sessions, the song sounded more dynamic, but everything is like bricked together. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think that kind of kneecaps a lot of like what would be more memorable moments. Yeah, like um, you might be right because... It is so compressed. Yeah,
1: it is really flat. And you know what's funny? I was cutting the grass today and I listened to the vast majority of this record and I was like, first and foremost... I'm on the mower. It's loud as fuck. So I'm already. You the, had to blast yes. your headphones. But I was like, I have to get off of this for a minute. Cause I feel like I don't know where I'm at in the record right now. And then I, and then of course I put on utopia just to be like, nah, this is fine. Just like, this is what I've been used to all week. You know, yeah. like uh, a out of pristinely like, produced yeah, record. Like, oh, this is dynamic as fuck. Yeah. And, um, even though like I, I don't like a lot of the songs I'm like there was like this isn't the fucking Travis Scott Utopia record that we're review, reviewing but there are like that record is actually like really experimental for Travis Scott even though like I think Afterworld was like a step above Rodeo but like they're like they're front and back halves to songs and like really dynamic transitions into certain things and I needed Long detours yeah I needed that I needed some resets like I mm-hmm. needed to feel like I could like white clean something yeah, you might be right. There's a lot of compression.
0: The beginning of Universally Speaking, if my headphones are too high, it hurts my ears. Mm. Like it it feels like everything is like kind of loud but not loud enough at all times. Yeah, is this Rick Rubin's fault? I think so actually. Mm. He produced their previous record, California Cation, came out in 99. That record is one of the most compressed albums I've ever listened to. Yeah. So Is he operating in, like, mainstream mode here where, like, the compression sounds good over the radio at the time or something? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't listen to the radio, but there's, like, HD radio now. Radio is now is, like, kind of pretty all right. I mean, I work at a car dealership, so it's, like, uh, I can get in somebody's car and, like, hear what they're listening to. And in some cases, like a lot, especially like some of the newer vehicles, it's like they'll have Sirius XM or like HD radio going on. And I'm like, oh, like this sounds good. This sounds like not bad mm-hmm. you know, on the radio now. And then when you're thinking about 20 years ago, it's like, yeah, like, you know, you're driving a 99 pickup. It probably sounds the way it should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Through the radio. Or like even on, a, I mean, e- hell, even on a CD, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like speaker systems at the time, you got to think are not really built for like we have like i guess we don't really think about it but we we probably have like studio quality setups as far as like the amount of speakers in our cars nowadays i'm sure compared to what it used to be which was like you have a couple door speakers Mm -hmm. and like if you're that guy you have a sub (laughs) yeah like you don't have like the tweeters and uh you know what i mean like you don't have like the dynamic range quite like they did back then so it kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. but like it doesn't really stand up to like the test of time modern scrutiny Mm -hmm. yeah I get that. A lot of albums from that era. I it, like that. And mm-hmm. it might be because it is mainstream, too. Like, when you talk about like the Mars Volta, that's, like, on the fringe. And, like, I think you can kind of get away with, like, really dynamic producing. Because it's like, yeah, that's four people that want that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only time that I think the production, like, is doing something interesting, not too compressed, is actually on this next track, Don't Forget Me. At least during the verses. Yeah. Now, the chorus is blown out as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It is so loud,
1: like unnecessarily. Uh, How do you feel about this track, though? This was actually, like, thematic. And, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, my headspace trying to listen to this record was just, like, not the best. Mm -hmm. Like, I won't, like, bring it up too much on the air. But, like, I've been, like, battling the fucking stress lately because I'm in like a weird spot right now with like transitionary period in my life and like it's been like my fucking theme this year for my life is to like completely transition out of living at home and like taking on more, more responsibility as I should and I'm very excited but it's been really difficult for me. Yeah, like you can't get a break really. Yeah, and it's been hard to like unwind and I'm in like work mode and so when something is not, like I'm scrutinous with like my media consumption. If it's not the best thing in the world, it's like get the fuck out of my face. You <laughs> I mean, know what I mean? It's I've like, noticed that it's, with like you. I, it's like I don't have time. Yeah, to like piddle around with mediocrity right now because mm-hmm. my I feel like my time is really crunched. And so when listening to the record, it's like. Okay, like let's fucking let's hmm. let's do something.
0: You know, that's funny. That's actually the opposite reaction of what I would expect from like somebody else, I think. Stressful time in your life. We're doing this podcast, like, <laughs> like an easygoing record, but it's like hell for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Like, do I need to like recommend death grips or something? Yeah, Is you know, the like, direction we need I, to go in. I want um I want something that Okay, we saw Oppenheimer together and Although, like, it was one of the most cerebral, sensory overload, most powerful things I think I've ever watched in my life. I was, like, completely and utterly blown away, and it felt good to feel that. I wanted it. You know me. You know me better than most. I operate at an RPM that, like, is probably not (laughs) healthy (laughs) for a lot lot of people. And so when, when I'm stuck in, like, something that doesn't like completely vibe with me, I want out. And like, and so coming back to this track, don't forget me. It's like one of the only tracks thematically where I felt like, Oh, this is like a unique perspective for the record. Cause I feel like earlier on we've been like wishy washy in between like this love for a person and like love for drugs. And like the, (laughs) like the, the song kind of blends together thematically this track. It's like, okay. So the lyrics come across as like the drug talking to the person. I'm like, that's, Mm. that is like a like a, a perspective that feels unique to me uh, it is yeah. the li- you know throughout the listening experience that we've had so far yeah. and then don't get me wrong like it still feels like kind of like overkill for me it's not bad to me one of the few things that I found redeeming was like the guitar solos in this track were unique like the tremolo technique that like really builds in it's like crunchy and it's like very grunge-esque at times I like that I felt like a, a, a tone that like I'm not really used to like thinking about when it comes like the peppers like yeah it felt like uh this is very unexpected by them yeah it, i don't know like a lot of their guitar tones are like really warm or, or like clean a lot of like percussive elements were, like on this track it felt like the guitar was the rhythm but it was like crunchy and dirty and gross and i like that that's a unique thing going on compared to like where we started so far where it's like floaty and oh like um doing my thing like the soft alt rock stuff yeah not really your thing not right now not right now but like this this track i'm like oh i can get behind this this is uh this is a little bit more even though i don't think it's the most challenging thing in the world i'm like this is like a a unique thing so far in the record i'm an inbred i'm a pothead i'm like yeah you sure are (laughs) me fucking too yeah i do think that a lot of the album might be missing like some
0: kind of element of grit. Could be production, could be just like uh, the influences, the inspirations that they're drawing from are too soft. That with the production, it's not meeting the needs of like the songwriting, really, I don't think. Yeah. But yeah, the guitar hitting these like psychedelia yeah. moments on the uh, the verses. This is actually one of my least favorite like vocal performances by ketis Like on the verses specifically, Mm -hmm. I think he kind of sounds goofy. Um, A little bit. (laughs) The the tone of the song is almost matching the depravity of like the perspective the lyrics are coming from. Yeah. But yeah, Anthony's singing, not really there. Did he really have to begin the chorus by just going, oh, like this long, like, oh. (laughs) He does stuff like this a few times throughout the record that like, kill me. I'm like just you don't have to do that. You can do something else. You uh what do you call that? The the mm-hmm. millennial. millennial whoop. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It was like that was a boring choice. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the what you said earlier with uh this is the band's feel good. Maybe they're just kind of like
0: eh, we're doing all right. I thought you would vibe with this a little bit more than God, no, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's <laughs> hey, it's okay. Nothing is sacred on the show. It's giving me a Not even uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fuck that guy. Especially him. <laughs> That's awful.
0: We better talk about the Zephyr song, the, the Zephyr or, Zephyr song. or this <laughs> might end up being one of our longest podcasts of all time. Yeah. And we thought
1: it'd be one of the shortest. Jesus Christ. We're on track six. We got ten more to go. There's a few that I that I have very little to say about. We can let's talk about this, reconvene and like try to make a, a marathon.
0: Okay, I like this one. I actually do too. This is like the flower power. like. Uh, it feels like the best encapsulation of that so far.
1: Right. Fly away on my zephyr. Zephyr is uh, defined as a gentle breeze blowing in from the west, often considered to be the mildest and most favorable <laughs> of the directional winds. Okay. That sounds a lot like this album. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I, I like the, the thematical elements going on here. Power of nature. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, it is. like it is. Mm-hmm. We, we, we talked about fucking me standing outside, fucking smoking a cigar, enjoying the weather. It's like, yeah, it, there, there's something nice about sitting outside, and I feel like I like this song a lot for that reason. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like been kind of my, my grounding throughout the uh, weird transition that I'm in right now into adulthood, is like being outdoors, like just sitting down, mm-hmm. soaking in the sun.
0: There's a, nothing quite like it, although I... I won't go uh like camping
1: or anything <laughs> <laughs> i could I could sleep on a dirt floor and be the happy as can be. I'm sure you would For real but yeah man like uh he's on to something I'll give him that, yeah, you know uh, I've never done uh psychedelics, but uh, I feel like the, this is something that might resonate when you when you do it you know I'd be like really curious to know what his history is with psychedelia outside of like fucking heroin that's a that's a different story
0: I cannot remember from his novel I don't
1: know if like. I think like opiates was the thing for him outside of weed. Uh, you know, I just think that the song uh, definitely encapsulate what it, what it feels like to like frog through a, through a field of like flowers or something. Better than many songs that I've heard in a weird way. Yeah, it's not, it's um kind of a unique thing. I feel like maybe tonally for the band or like this like, kind of encapsulates the vibe of like some latter Beatles records, but it's also like through the. Through the lens of a, a 90s alt-rock band.
0: Yeah. That's kind of fun. I see a little bit of like Magical Mystery Tour
1: era Beatles here. Uh that's an album we need to digest at some point.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you've listened to that one, really, or if I've even shown you many tracks oh, by it. Yeah, I've heard a couple. It's a good one. Most of their records are good ones. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, I think we said this off the air, but I appreciated like the electronic drumming mm. element here. Where was this on like other
1: tracks? I think that would have been kind of interesting to like expand on that. That is a good point because don't you feel like there should be inklings of that in other tracks? Like I never feel like there is a, we're talking about theme and like, yeah, it's the, it's the bands feel good on the other side of some addiction problems. But it's like, Mm. where are like the unifying instrumentals? Because 90% 90 of the record is like guitar, drum and bass. And like, these are the, this is the line that we're, we're running with. And then like you derail with like a song like this, like, although it's great and it's like really, it's like, oh, like this is unique for the record, mm-hmm. but like, where is this feel good that we're trying to describe everywhere else? Yeah. I feel like
0: the sound that they're chasing on this record, like it kind of embraces, or you would think it would embrace this electronic element. They stay very true to like the core members of the band. and Right. And it's like that all the time. Every other album by them, it's always about, like, these four guys. They have
1: their thing, and we're going to showcase it.
0: Yeah. They're just not the type of band to get, like, super atmospheric. And I think considering, like, we've heard some really atmospheric (laughs) stuff, like, in our lives at this point, that uh, it just doesn't hit. Where's the synth? Where's the like the overdubs? Where's some chimes? There's some chimes
1: in there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like there should be something. Like horns or uh...
1: Yeah, there isn't like enough additive elements on top of the core sound of the band. Mm-hmm. Right? Where yeah. a band can stay true to their sound and like add a, a flair to it. And then you can kind of expand upon their previous sound in that way. Where, like, this would be the record to do such contextually, but you don't really get that throughout, which, like, is, is like, kind of bothersome. And, like, we'll get it later with, like, um, Cabron. That's a track that, like, kind of derails completely from, like, the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. But it's like, hey, they tried something. They tried something, right? <laughs> and it's like, okay, but, like, where, and, like, that's one of my biggest critiques of the record is, mm-hmm. like, okay, you're derailing. It's not a concept record, really it's like like a thematic record that's like really long. So like mm-hmm. there should be these expansive moments to like showcase this growth that the band is going through, but you don't really get a whole lot of it. Yeah. So it's like frustrating.
0: There's a lot of like reminiscing over the past and like being happy that you've gotten over it, but there's not a lot of like actual pondering instrumentally. Right. And that is what's missing here, Mm-mm. I think. But then at the same time, like, Am I expecting too much out of, like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> right. They've always been, like, the instrumental band, the guys, you know? The dudes are jamming. They're I, doing their thing. I think they probably care a lot about, like, replicating the songs live as is. You know what I mean? And that's fair. I think that's, like, the attitude they probably come
1: from. I they feel know. like a touring band. They a- feel like, they are. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? I mean, even, like... This is, like, random, but, like, I think, like, Roger Waters, like, Pink Floyd, he's, like, definitely held true to the whole vibe that they've given off the whole time, even though, mm-hmm. like, their records, like, completely, they go through metamorphosis, like, as a band, and, like, I haven't given a fuck about anything they release, but, because they're a classic band at this point in your brain, yeah. but, you know, very similar, like, the Foo Fighters or something, like, it, just, it just feels like these are songs we can tour with. Yeah, there's a lot of bands like that most bands are like that right really it's a a greatest hits tour all the time hell that's one of the reasons why people go to like we've talked about dave enough and like without talking about the actual record but the appeal to going to a dave concert dave matthews is like a lot of people they want to hear the hits and like the band is in a point now which like we saw them at riverbend this summer and it was like literally at, at one point at riverbend he was like literally making fun of people that want to hear the hits and i'm like fuck yeah like that's what you should be as an artist it's like fuck you motherfuckers i'm doing what i want and you're here and you're gonna listen and i'm like yeah that's what i want like mm-hmm. you're still a fucking human being over there like he's you know he's not fucking 23 anymore like you know it but the separate song the song. sorry i, I don't mean I, to do this to us i think there's a reason why we,
0: like, we keep spinning off on this track specifically I like it a lot, but like, there's not a whole lot to say about it. The guitar is good, the harmonies are good. I like the electronic drums. It's a good track. That's fair. Can't stop.
1: This is the de facto.
0: Yeah, you recognized, by the way, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And then this one,
0: where there's the two.
1: Yes. Yes. This and is you, the. These are the two that are stand out the most prominent.
0: And you never heard the Zeppelin song like on the radio, never before. Nope. Okay. I think that one's popular a little bit.
1: I think "Can't Stop" is actually a
0: track highlight for me. I don't know how you feel about that one.
1: Oh, this is a great track. Now don't get me wrong; like this is a good song. Like this song will stay in the test of time.
0: This one stands out a lot more than many of the other tracks. I've always thought like the structure of this one is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like beginning with like this like timpani roll, the bass line presenting itself mm-hmm. before like mm-hmm. breaking into the uh, like the signature right. riff. Not many other tracks like seem to work with. In terms of structure like building things it's like here's the verse instrumentation anthony comes in chorus most of the tracks kind of take that route right and this one's like yeah we're gonna build up things for a minute
1: yeah one of the few times on the records it's like uh the track itself is a little bit more than just on the record it's defined right it feels like a, a showcase
0: yeah that has its own uh personality weirdly this was like the third single from the record mm-hmm which, like, if you look at it in the way of, like, the band promoting the record, they thought that this had less commercial viability than By The Way and Zephyr Song. Mm. But this is, like, one of their biggest songs. Right. I mean, I've heard this song plenty of times outside the record. Actually, I might know why they did it. Because this sounds more like an, an older Chili Pepper song, I think. Right. This sounds more like classic Californication, like, Blood Sugar mm-hmm. Sex Magic era. And I don't think I realized that to like, literally right now.
1: Well, it's also like, oh, you just realized it. Like now, like that's like I, I, that's I, the I, thing I, that stands out.
0: I've never looked at this record like through a critical lens. So like I'm I'm going okay. through it like with you. I'm going through it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Not to be dramatic or anything.
1: I'm going through it, man.
0: But yeah, I've never like categorized this as being that.
1: No, it definitely feels classic. This is their sound. I mean, it it is like Lincoln Park before Lincoln Park. I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Hey, look, laughs>
1: Lincoln Park was a thing already. This Wait, is 2002. They're on their way. Hybrid Theory
0: came out in 2001.
1: When did uh, Lincoln Park get popular? Like 2005, 2006? No, that first record, like, they were off the jump. Mm. Maybe it's uh, of the time then. You might be right about that. But um, who's to say? I don't know. The chorus is good. I like the background vocals, the background melodies. Ah, uh, mm. like this very floaty, it doesn't angelic. come in until, like the, like, the end of the mm-hmm. verse before
0: we're hopping into the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Furciante sounds great so during those sections. Mm-hmm. And is it me, or is the mixing
1: better on this song, specifically? Yeah. Like, you're right. Something about this track specifically feels, like, elevated compared to most songs on it the record. It does. Like, it doesn't even sound like it was recorded, like, in the same right. session. Right, right. But it was. So, like... Like that's so frustrating. It's frustrating to me because okay, we have the ability to do something like this, but the vast majority is completely compressed and quiet and like muddy and like basic. It feels like basic compared to this.
0: And this one's like
1: balancing more elements instrumentally
0: than some of the other ones that we've talked about so yeah. far. And vocally. It just seems bizarre. Yeah. I think the wrapped verses actually work for me on this one. Right. Yes. This is actually like probably the best he's sounded like in that style, I think.
1: Correct. I mean, I I completely agree with you. Why do other tracks feel like, is it because like his performance is good and like it's not like super pitchy compared Mm -hmm. to like other tracks or is Mm -hmm. it that it's produced differently? Like that's the question Mm -hmm. at hand. I don't know. Is it
0: mixed better? He is a wildly inconsistent vocalist, (sighs) so it's hard to say there's an other moment later in the record where i think he sounds okay in that style like the (laughs) rapping thing but it's it's very few and far between for me with him
1: i think like maybe one of the reasons why this sticks so well is that the timing on this track is like very readable what do you mean like (laughs) (laughs) it's the same Mm -hmm. through line that beat delivery yeah dun, 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 dun. even the guitar is the same it's it's being stacked and yeah. then you and then you have um, <laughs> you know you get you can break sorry that's terrible i don't mean to mock him but <laughs> you're you're breaking into actual singing after like a essentially the same like it's the same yeah the whole song is is that like well, the drums the- the guitar, the vocal delivery is the syncopation in terms of like right. how everything's coming together. Everything is on the same beat. Is that why it sticks out? Most of the songs come across that way. Or is like this is this one just more iconic for some reason. It's hard to say, actually. It's I like so fucking frustrating
0: to me. I can't figure it out. There's something definitely weird going on with this one, like sticking out so much among amongst everything else. I think when it like goes into the bridge later on, it does like this like ska thing with like the like the upstroke guitars. Like I think that's kind of unique for the record where Mm -hmm. they don't really hit that anywhere else. This guitar solo shredding through at the end Mm -hmm. where it's not like super technical, but like the moment is great. Like it's not like what he's playing, but it's just like Like, you know it's (laughs) like, like like badass,
1: you know? You know what's um funny about this song is that this song actually has like a groove. Mm-hmm. Compared to most songs on the record, I wrote down on my notes, it's one of the only tracks where I feel like I can just put it on and forget it's playing. And, like, that's good. Like, I mean that in a good way. The song comes across, like, a vibe I can get behind. Like, it feels okay. like, oh, uh, like, I'm here. I can relax now. I don't. It's like, this is a I'm cool not, song. I'm not fighting this song. Yeah. Also, like, the song was written, lyrics in mind, as the basis of the rhythm rather than, like, the song being written and then the lyrics being written afterwards. Hmm. The approach to the song was the lyrics are the rhythm. That's what's being built behind it. That's the groundwork. Everything else behind it is being set. And that's why everything sounds so it's um, perfectly combined.
0: Yeah. In a way that like, I think the Zephyr song is the only other single on the record that kind of feels like, and even that doesn't match this song. Like compare this to the first track, by the way,
1: where, like, that song kind of feels, like, generic compared to this. I would argue, like, that track specifically is, like, the other de facto, even though it doesn't really come across that way in the context of the record. But, yeah, I don't find that one super exciting. I know that you don't find,
0: like, hardly anything very exciting. <laughs> but, I mean, like, in terms of me. <laughs> I could die for you. Is this uh The Weeknd? I'm going to assume that you're, like, not super hot on this one.
1: No, I kind of found it kind of boring. I mean, I know that it is uh about... To me, it comes across more in, as um, him singing to his on-and-off-again girlfriend at the time. Yeah, I, was just, I wasn't was super crazy about it. I thought it was kind of boring.
0: It is kind of a boring song. I like it, though. Uh, okay. I'm not too mad about this one. I'm a, a big fan of the chorus, although I hate, and this is another one of those Anthony like can't help but like get in his own way type things. The chorus goes, I could die for you. But then he has to throw in, like, the filler line. What you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> I hate like, that. Why? Something else could have gone there. Because I think outside of that line, like, the chorus is really great. Right. Um, this is uh, something that we talked about off air. But I think this back half of the record can be kind of, like, split into, like, two or three categories. Yeah. And I think I Could Die For You lies in, like, the soft tracks that have kind of already been done earlier in the album but nothing new is here although there might be like a good melody or so i know that was a really long title for a category (laughs) then we have songs that fall into gimmick and or experimental territory actually those those are the two categories because when i thought of that earlier can't stop was actually its own category so can't stop is category three how do you feel about the song midnight i think that falls into the i could die for you category i think this songs like really forgettable it is weirdly enough when i first bought this album i remember i got it for my birthday and i listened to it for the first time as me and my family were driving to like cedar point (laughs) i was like 13 or 14 (laughs) uh i think i was with either logan or nathan i think but i listened to this album on the way up for the first time and i kept replaying this track for like 40 minutes straight on this drive and it's weird returning to the record and looking at it and being like there's really nothing going on on this one yeah this is mm-hmm. the boring song for me like I think this is now. one of the more boring yeah. songs
1: yeah i thought it was like lackluster
0: and it's not like any individual component of this song or i could die for you mm-hmm. none of the in- individual <laughs> components are bad but it's kind of like this it's like a soup Like, everything's just
1: melting together in a boring way. Isn't that frustrating, though, in terms of not only is it, like, a boring song, it's, like, You're already, like, adding on to the fact that, like, we, like, yeah, okay, like, sometimes the mix is, like, just really fucking compressed, and, like, we're rehashing the same idea. This one, uh, weirdly begins with, like, a string
0: intro for a
1: brief moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that, like, expanded on in, like, the later sections of the track? I don't think so. I mean, I think it, like, comes in, but it's also to the point where it's, if you're gonna do it, fucking do it. Yeah, I really don't think they show up again and once like the song like introduces
0: itself there's like a police siren yeah. at the beginning of it which i thought was a odd random choice i don't think that the verse and the chorus really match each other like it feels like mm. they don't belong in the same song things will never be the same <laughs> but, and then like it goes to the chorus and it's like eh. It introduces itself as like kind of like a jazzy chill thing. Then it like tries to get really anthemic,
1: but like it doesn't like earn that moment. No, I love when you sing on the mic. Like I love when you're just like, we've both we've both been doing this tonight. By the way, it's because you can meme the fuck out of this. This is like Pearl Jam, like Creed territory. was like
0: even <laughs> like that kind
1: of shit. Yeah, but like when you're listening to Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder's vocals are like an instrument. It's unlike mm-hmm. anything. He's a great singer. right but that's like that's the 90s singing right
0: with arms wide open
1: (laughs) don't get me started it's
0: been a while Uh, yeah looking back at me
1: (laughs) don't do fucking not this is a subcategory of music (laughs) that we've just now discovered hey man i tell you what my mom she's fucking crazy like all mothers but the one truest fucking statement she's ever made she's like Pearl Jam's debut record is the best debut record of all fucking time. I'm like, you're, you're so fucking cool. Like, you're you're fucking right. Like, you're right. I remember you said that to me one time, and I I really had to
0: rack my brain. Ten by Pearl Jam has like never been one of my favorite records, but like
1: I can't disagree with that. I will tell you, front to back, that record is one of the most solid records of all time.
0: Maybe I need to go back to it. It's been a long time. has been a while. <laughs> I didn't even say at that time. <laughs> I need to go back to that one, I think.
1: We'll have to venture into that territory at some point. But um I wanna talk about throw away your television. Um yeah. what category does this fall into? Yeah. The gimmick territory, I think. Right. At, at least uh like lyrically. Yeah, like this song instrumentally just feels like Flea song. Which like we haven't even, like mm. I feel like we haven't even like really talked about like Flea. It's fucking flea. We haven't. But, like, I feel like the bass in this track is the one that, like, actually is, like, the momentum mover, which, like, I feel like it kind of gets muddled on for the majority of the record. And this is the track where I feel like, even though it is, like, in gimmick territory, it is the one that feels the most prominent for him as a performer. Like, it feels like this is the track that he shines on, even though I, like, don't really like the track itself. Like, mm-hmm. I can, like, kind of respect the fact that he's the person moving the track forward. And then... I wrote down in my notes what I think is interesting about the line. It's a repeat, and it's getting old. Is exactly how I felt the entire album experience. <laughs> Were you writing a goddamn comedy routine to yourself in these these notes? I was like getting like really frustrated <laughs> trying to listen to the record as a whole. Like it's a lot. It's a fucking lot. It is to, a like, lot to like subject yourself to. Like sixteen tracks. You make like... it sound like Guantanamo. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we're talking about an hour and 10 minutes of like, at times feels like a muddled mess. Correct. And so like, other than I have, other than drugs are bad and love is good we know how to play rock music. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's what like the, the fucking album has felt like the majority of the time where it's like, okay, we know how to fucking do our thing. Here it is. You know what I mean? And so when we're getting like this deep into the record, I'm like, I need a fucking break. I get it. I know you know how to do it. Like, I feel like this track could have been, excuse me, this album could have been nine tracks long and I'd have been like Perfect. It's over, it's done, it was concise, and it was true to the band. But no, it's like, let's fucking tack it on, let's do the mm. thing. What's weird is that I agree with you, and I like the album. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do think that there's probably a stronger 9 or 10-track experience right, in there right. somewhere. With this track specifically, like you were talking about Flea, and how this is kind of like his uh, his standout performance... I think they were, like, throwing him a bone on this one. He uh, infamously was, like, the one member of the band that was unhappy at the time. Since Frusciante took the reins on songwriting, John was writing the bass lines for Flea. Like, he wasn't, like, letting Flea do his own thing Really on the tracks. Okay and Flea felt so musically inferior that he one, almost quit the band and then as soon as Frusciante quit Chili Peppers in 2005 Flea went straight to uh, Berkeley I think to get his degree in like music theory mm. so he could like catch up to Frusciante cuz he's like Frusciante quit the band now I got to like I got to be that guy uh, I got to step up okay so his input is largely absent on this record like okay. Flea's this is, like, the one song that he got. It's, like, not even a great one. <laughs> I want to talk about Cabron. This one's so weird. It's so fucking weird. I have a question for you. Is the title of this song censored on Spotify for you?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Look at this. Track 11. What the fuck? Isn't Cabron, like, a friend-type I don't word? know.
1: That's so strange. I've never... I didn't think anything like that.
0: The track title is censored on Apple Music,
1: and I don't know why. Maybe we're not catching on to the woke crowd or something that there isn't something that we're uh, Mm, we're seeing here. Maybe so. This track's really weird because it's like an acoustic dominant mix.
0: Has that happened yet on the record? Mm Mm-mm. I think this is something I meant to bring up, like when we talked about the track earlier. I think it was uh, this is the place where there's like the bridge has acoustic okay. that, that comes through. That I saw you out there
1: yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I need to stop doing that. No, uh, it's fine.
0: But this is the first time that like the acoustic has taken center stage.
1: Yeah, it starts off with the acoustic.
0: Large emphasis on like this Spanish influence. I think this falls into gimmicky or, like, the experimental category.
1: I definitely think it's more gimmicky. It
0: is. I'm not a big fan when, like, bands play with world music. Like, oh, we're going to do, like, an Arabian feel on this one. Or, like, borrowing from a culture that, like, y'all can't operate in that Mm -hmm. genre.
1: Like, it's weird. I get it you're in California, but, like, it still feels, like, kind of cheap and sleazy. It does. I wrote down... I know it's about gang violence and how they need to come together through love and happiness, but it feels really cheap and gives off youth pastor vibes. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely tell I was like kind of like in this spiteful headspace.
0: You're not wrong. This is like one of my least favorites yeah. on the record. I like
1: detest this song. The we guitar- don't have to spend too much time there.
0: The guitar playing sounded nice, like in terms right. of like technicality, mm-hmm. but. Maybe Frusciante had the idea, but, like, Anthony is the vocalist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It it just doesn't work. What's the next one? Tear. Um, This song is okay, and that's coming from the optimistic one on this side of the conversation tonight. What, like,
1: really was frustrating for me is that, like, I kept seeing, like, love for this record while, like, trying to listen to it and, and like, write about it and do some research on it, and I'm like... You mean
0: like looking into others' view of it? And I'm like, for why? See, I fall
1: in that camp to a degree. (sighs) I'm like, kind of like, for why? I never really have felt like, while listening to the record, I'm like, oh, this is, this is like so impactful. Or this is like so resonant. Well, it's
0: not that for me, for sure. I think me and you, like, tackled this in a way different way. You were uh, more focused on, like, lyrical subject matter where, as a fan of the group going in, I'm like, I know not to pay any attention to this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Chili Peppers, historically, bad lyrics. This is actually, like, the only track where I'm like, oh, like, the... uh..." It felt like... So, like, most of the record was... Let's sing about love and happiness and how everything's good now. And that's all over like a dad rock kind of vibe. This one was actually one of the few where I felt like it comes across in like an emotional ballad. Like this is one of the (laughs) only tracks where I'm like,
0: oh, okay. Like this is, there's something here. Okay. The reason why I said it's only okay is because this is actually one of the instances where I think the verse is a bit too sleepy. Now, they are, like, playing with, like, the synth on this one. Like, a keyboard is actually the prominent driving force in terms of chords. I think there's just not enough, like, going on. Like, there needs to be, like, another, an overdub of, like, are there guitar overdubs, like, mm. during the verse on this one? If It's kind of empty
1: to me. Right. But the chorus is wonderful, actually. One of my favorite things about this track specifically was we talked earlier about how some of the solos felt, like, kind of, like, bland and, like, they were just there. This one, the few tracks where I was like, oh, like the solo is actually prominent because you go from a guitar yeah. solo into a trumpet solo, which was kind of interesting, which doesn't show up anywhere else on the record.
0: I might be confusing my, some of my emotions for this one with uh, either on Mercury or warm tape, I think. Mm. You're right, actually. I wrote stuff about the structure here where like the solos come in at more unexpected points. Instead of like a verse completing or a chorus completing, then going into it, like the solos kind of like interrupt sections of the song. Right. Flea yeah. playing trumpet on this one. Those moments is where that's like what I needed elsewhere.
1: Right. I like this track, but as an album experience, it's like we're, we're on track 12 and you're tired. Just now. Yeah. You're tired we're just now morning. getting something like that's interesting. Why do they do this? 16 fucking tracks, dude. It's like, homie,
0: it was the era. <sighs>
1: It's just tiresome.
0: The moon and Antarctica had this problem, too. Same era. We talked about it, yeah. Same era, man.
1: I forgot we did that. Mm-hmm. Good God. We have a lot of episodes, by
0: the way. We're at 74.
1: Jesus. Oh. If you include this one right now. We're going to keep going. That's the crazy thing. We're going to get to the point where we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot we talked about that. We we'll <laughs> talked about that for like four <laughs> hours. Hey, man, I'm the one behind the editing board. I remember every single episode, <laughs> like, explicitly detailed you know you're the one that has to re-listen I'm the one that doesn't I've like, I'm like oh yeah we talked I showed up I fucking said the thing and I went home <laughs> I have like, like <laughs> the entire TDBR <laughs> canon memorized that's hilarious I, I completely uh I completely like dissociate myself <laughs> from, like, from like the I'm like oh yeah I said something I don't know what I said I fucking I said something there that's so funny <laughs> you're like I have to fucking listen to this guy I fucking go on <laughs> Um, I hate the next track. Mm -hmm. We can skip it if you want. This is
0: um, on Mercury? Yeah. It's just annoying. God Mm -hmm. damn it. Is this a harmonica that they're using, like, as the verse instrument? Is it accordion? Did I write notes for this one? (laughs) My note literally just says, never really had this one figured out. Mm. (laughs) Nothing is working for me. It's a no for me on the verse and chorus. Mm. That's all I had
1: written for that one. Like you said, I'm tired at this point in the record. Like, you look tired right now. Buddy, I am tired. I bet. <laughs> I'm fucking wore out. Track fourteen. Minor thing.
0: Uh I actually love this one. I really, really fucking love this track, actually. Okay. Please tell me why, because much needed boost of energy mm-hmm. late in record
1: with classic formula. I understand. I think like the play on like uh lyrically on like music theory and is like fun. Like uh, you have I change the key from C to D, you see to me, it's just a minor thing. Like I don't know. It's like uh it's kind of cheap, but like kind of fun. Like, oh, like I can talk about fucking notes. You can be like meta,
0: yeah, like about the music process, right. dude. Some bands are meta about like. Have you ever heard a band like mention being a band in a song, like self-reference themselves? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard that happen before? Not really. Outside of, like, hip-hop or something. Right. In rock music, it's, like, the band doesn't exist within the canon of, like, their music.
1: Yeah, it's, like, um, let's dissociate ourselves from, like, the actual writing process. Yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, you're right, like, rap, like, when I think about, um, yeah, like, meta, it is always, like, hip-hop. Especially, mm-hmm. like, nowadays, like, experimental hip-hop, it's, like, very, uh, it's so much commentary. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really get that anywhere else.
0: The only time like in like rock music I can think of where a band is self-referential is like Limp biscuit <laughs> where they like say the name of the band like Limp Biscuit. <laughs> put the fucking hands up like that's like that's
1: badass like actually. Kanye Kanye has been like yay I'm yay <laughs> I'm yay I do yay things.
0: But like in in terms of like being meta about like the music process itself mm-hmm. where people like me and you might get it key of c to d mm-hmm. that means nothing to the, the average person i like this track because it actually encapsulates the best elements of the album and like the classic chili peppers like formula for right me. it's high energy it's funky this one sounds more confident in itself than many other tracks on the record uh
1: that's a good point don't you feel like some of like the lower energy melodramatic songs are like yeah they're not confident like he's not selling it very well and like i think part of that even highlights itself when he is coming across like extremely pitchy and like i don't know he doesn't really feel like he's like completely buying into like this direction they're trying to take maybe the the shifting of power in the band on this record
0: specifically like frusciante taking over i think like the songwriting is strong on those tracks that don't feel confident but like not everybody is playing along um warm
1: tape this is a really weird one before
0: so, me, girl. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I like kind of like this one because the synth- synthesizer is there playing a dominant role. It's a little bit more odd than other tones on the record. This is one of the one of the tracks where I think really highlights the fact that it feels like he's super uncomfortable as mm-hmm. a vocalist because I think the tempo that this track takes with like his vocal delivery just sounds like really they do not line up at all. They don't. And it's. It's frustrating because it's, like, we should be, like, building into, like, the end of the album, but we're, like, one track away, and it's, like, we're still feeling like we're not there. This is the second-to-last song. Yeah. And, like, that's frustrating because, I don't know, when you're going to do 16 tracks, it's like, God, you better make goddamn sure that it's, like, perfect. Well, that was not the attitude at the time. (laughs) That's still not the attitude, honestly.
0: If an album has, like, that many tracks, you're guaranteed a bloated experience. I hate that. If we ever fucking write a record, it's, like, gonna be eight solid minimum. Yeah. I think eight to ten is, like, perfect LP length. As long as, like, the tracks aren't, like, three-minute, like, bits. Right. You expand. You do some long stuff in there. Eight to ten tracks. This track is weird, man. The vocals don't match the verses. The chorus doesn't match the verse. Like, it it breaks into, like, a Western kind of sounding. (laughs) Like, it's, like, miles and miles. Like, where'd that come from all of a sudden? On this recent excursion into the record, I've actually realized that the bridge of this song is, like, unexpectedly good, considering, like, nothing else on the track is working. And I don't know if I could even, like, pull out, like, the melody for the bridge, because I just discovered how much I liked it yesterday, I think.
1: <laughs> yesterday. <laughs>
0: hey. Hello, <I> <laughs> That's a perfect song, by the way. That's,
1: I love that song. That song breaks my heart. It's one of the hardest keys to sing in. I've never tried to sing a Beatles song, So fucking ever. He's a weird vocalist. The key that he sings in on that song specifically is one of the hardest to fucking match.
0: Like the octave, it's mm-hmm. like really high up there. Mm-hmm. Sustained mm-hmm. all of the time, too. Um, but yeah, fuck this song. Um,
1: <laughs> okay. I, I love it. I love that you're like, I love this album, like, but like, fuck it, this fucking song. You've rubbed off on me a little bit. I'm sorry. I don't mean to
0: destroy this record for you. This is what we did with Inception. I mean, to be fair. Dismantling that.
1: Yeah. And honestly, that's what I was expecting going into this You to know, a I will say, somebody commented on our TikTok and said uh, about the Inception TikTok about uh, the girlfriend thing. And someone said, uh must have saw this before Oppenheimer. Uh-huh. I meant to comment, fuck you, the fucking mistress dies. She does. She does. There's always a dead woman <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> in fucking Nolan <laughs> films.
0: Although... I thought it was more earned in that mm-hmm. particular case because there's a conspiracy involved. Yeah. So.
1: And it's real life, goddammit. Yeah, it happened.
0: Yeah. Um, Last track, Venice Queen. I actually don't know how I
1: feel about this one. I think it... Like it's it ha- like a long track for the record. It's like almost six minutes long. But what, what you- happens in that time? It's like kind of all over the place.
0: Right? It is. It, it's like kind of split into two, but like the two don't feel like they belong next to each other or like the bridge between them isn't thought out enough the transition is very jarring here's the thing
1: at the end of the record when you're already exhausted i don't even give a fuck at this point okay fair i'm kind of like okay i guess i heard what you had to say but Mm -hmm. i don't feel like the ending was deserved in any way you know what i mean i feel like the only aspect
0: of it that makes it feel like a ending track is like the subject matter. It's like one of the few that I actually looked into because I know it's about, uh, I got this from reading Anthony's book years ago, but like the rehab nurse mm. that helped them and like the song is like in dedication to her because like she died shortly after their stint in rehab. So I think that's the most interesting thing about the track, but it's like kind of like instrumentally a retread of a lot of stuff prior. Right. It's trying to be progressive. Like
1: we're gonna do a two-parter, but like it just ain't working, really. Not for me, at least. I feel like really bad, like shitting on the record, and like this is like something that I don't like to do. And um, damn, we were really, really negative. Yeah, <laughs> even and, I was. Well, and like also, it's hard for me to like come in excited about something knowing that I have to like kind of shit on somebody's work because like I don't know somebody else made this and. People probably worked really hard on it, and, like, it still didn't, like, really resonate in any way that, like, I found meaningful. I don't like to bring that energy in a lot of the times. Like, very rarely am I, like, oh, I'm fucking excited to shit on this because I'm thinking in perspective. I'm, like, oh, dude, like, somebody, like, this meant something to somebody. (laughs) You know what I mean? I hate to, like, channel my uh, opinion into that fucking uh, framework, but when I don't like something, and in particularly this case, I, like, felt... The vast majority of the time, I had a hard time like grabbing on to anything I enjoyed. It's not bad music. It's just like it never felt like anything more than like the sum of its parts. It was just like we can like put music together in the same key, and like here it is. I never felt like it was anything that was like impactful. Like that was like that's like frustrating to me. It's also like not something that like I want to express. Not that like I can't enjoy a perspective of like something's mediocre, and here's why. But it's also like, I want to, I want to like something, you know, nine times out of, or I I would say all the time, every time Mm -hmm. we sit down and do something for the podcast, I'm like, what is the angle? What is the thing that makes this work? What Mm -hmm. is the, what is, where can I find the enjoyment? And a lot of the times on this record, I'm like, There's not a lot there. Like, Mm. that's frustrating for me because, you know, I'm like, I want to give the effort.
0: I think your perspective is interesting because you're hopping in
1: after all Mm. of, like, the—you've made
0: the evolution musically— You know what I mean? Yeah. This is like giving me similar vibes to like the Death Cab episode that we did where age difference between me and you. Right. I was like ripe age during the (laughs) the grip that the Chili Peppers had on like rock music. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, I can't say that I find the album even mediocre. Like I think all of our criticisms are valid and I agree with you on almost every single thing (laughs) you said tonight. I think it's just that. It just doesn't excite us as much right. as anything else. Like this is a we don't do super mainstream records mm. on the podcast very often. Is this like the most I have to think about? Yeah, that for probably. A second. I like, mean,
1: outside of like Abbey Road and like like Siamese Dream,
0: even those had like but a they're, lot going on, like, right? They felt fringy but mainstream at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think earlier Chili Peppers stuff actually was more on the fringe. And mm-hmm. this is like kind of them, like, this is the middle age record. And I think maybe me turning turning 30 is why I thought about this <laughs> all of a sudden. Returning to this, like, comfy alt rock mm-hmm. type shit. I think the way we tackle stuff now, we dissect stuff so much harder than we ever
1: have. Yeah. I think stuff like this doesn't really lend itself to that eye as much. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. And I think that we give so much energy to like trying to like hyper focus on elements of a record that it can kind of come across like really snobby. Which like I'm sure for some people it's not like super fun to listen to. And I'm sure I've pissed off somebody tonight. But um, I'm sure we both have. And it's it, but it's just like the fact that I feel like. And this is, a, this is like, a huge problem, like, I felt like I've been running into lately. And I think about, like, when Nathan came over and hung out with us, you know, he was talking about, like, oh, you know, like, I've just been, like, playing the stuff I like on repeat. And I'm like, God, like, that that's a fucking hole that's, like, hard to f- crawl out of. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, I, like, constantly want to expand, the, like, my repertoire. Same. And so this is so weird. And, like, frustrating, but, like, JPEG Mafia is, like, my favorite artist right now. And it's because that, like, his shit is so outside of the norm that, like, people can get behind. And, like, I was just thinking about this yesterday, by the way. He's
0: Kanye level of genius encapsulating every aspect of, like,
1: the artistic process. He's so involved in everything. And, And, like, the reason why I like it is because, like, I feel like his personality is so fucking present on everything he does. And even going back to his old stuff, I'm like, that's not even the same guy. Like, that's not even the same guy. Like, I put on, like, a veteran the other day, a couple tracks from Veteran. And I'm like, this is nothing compared to the dude that like is releasing music mm. now. And so when I'm when I'm listening to stuff like this, I'm like, it's not it's not enough for what I want. And like the reason why Oppenheimer was so powerful is like it's like, dude, I've seen Nolan films. I'm like, this is nothing that like he has ever released before. Like mm. it's so outside of Nolan's repertoire where I'm like, oh, this like, this is something unique. His filmography has built into this and i can see it now but i'm like this is one of the greatest films i've ever seen and it's but it's the same dude that did memento you know what i mean it's it like doesn't feel like uh it doesn't a feel good. like we're rehashing anything hmm okay it's a completely different perspective and it's like nolan doing like like essentially a docu series long form film where he's expressing history in a way that like is through a lens of like impactful cerebral uh, filmmaking that like mm-hmm. is I don't like it's just it's expansive you know what I mean yeah. and like that's what i want going back to these like simple
0: things is very unrewarding for you yeah. you know i like getting back down to basics every once in a while it's kind of fulfilling to to me at least i don't know i agree with you trust me we're on the same wavelength i think the thing with the record is that I like the songwriting, but like the rest of the band isn't there to catch up with Frusciante. Like on his vision, mm-hmm. the production isn't matching. I think there's something here, but things aren't lining up quite the right way. Now that I look at it as an adult, I see the ideas, but I don't get the execution quite as much as I wish I had. How do you feel
1: like ratings wise? Because I, I think for me, I think this record's like a six out of ten for me.
0: Oh, that that seems a. Uh... <laughs> that seems optimistic, considering what we've said. like so far. like it's
1: not a, like okay. it's like here's my point. It's like it's not like bad songs. It's just like kind of boring songs. It's just unexciting to the palette that we've built up right. I think if
0: I was looking at it at like different grading scales, like for me at this moment in my life, it's like a six and a half to light seven. I think like as a mainstream record, it's probably like just a solid seven. Like if you put it next to other mainstream rock shit around the time. But yeah, just not as exciting as uh, you would hope it would be. But yeah, white boy spiel time.
1: Yeah, um, we're talking about nostalgia. And I think I littered this in like the last time we were talking like on Inception and stuff. I think I've had this like record set for a while. And like, I'm excited to go back. And um, this is uh, one of the most impactful records of my life. Like for real. Um, And I'm sure you'll probably feel a similar way. But yeah, we're um we're gonna do fucking uh My Chemical Romance finally. I
0: knew it. Yeah, I fucking knew
1: it. Yeah, it's about time. Like we should um we should talk about the Black Parade. This is a record that like I listened to a couple weeks ago. It will either be exactly what we <laughs> what we just did, <laughs> or it will be like fuck yeah man, they were fucking amazing man, they were the thing. I could see this being a replica of tonight. <laughs> I think I'll approach this a little bit more optimistically than I did with this record. I think me and you both have a history with a band that is a little bit more developed. We both have that nostalgia. Yeah. For sure. I bought the CD like the month it came out. I was obsessed with MCR. Buddy, I got this fucking album for my birthday like when I was a kid and it was like the biggest deal to me. Uh, So I'm excited to digest What otherwise is like a guilty pleasure, I think, for you and I now as adults, like with a critical eye to see Mm. how it holds up and also talk about things that we loved. It's an era that like we need, we need to give some time to because I think we talked about My Chemical Romance for here and there throughout the podcast. I'm fucking hyped. Like it, the music videos, dude, don't even get me fucking started.
0: I think we'll have a lot to draw from on this one. It's a concept record to a degree, I think. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I think this one will have more elements going for it. Right. I still hear songs from this on a daily basis. Olivia plays MCR all the time. <laughs> Good. She's in the right headspace then. Just like tonight, we'll draw comparisons like with by the way, it was Beach Boys, Beatles. This next record will be like Bowie and Queen. Queen, yeah. With yep. like the pop punk shit mixed in.
1: I'm ready for it, man. I Fuck I yeah. think that sounds really fun. All right, homie. That was fun. Until next time. Get her if you do me the honors. Adios.